This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's principal second violin and artistic administrator Merwin Sue, the TSO's director of marketing, Vanessa Gardner, and our old friend and frequent guest, Michael Lang, who is resident director and choreographer for Toledo Ballet. Welcome to all of you, especially to you, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> no, especially. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say especially because, you know, you're a treasured guest on this okay. program. You've been here in the past. <laughs> but uh, we have a great project that we're going to talk about now. And this is sort of the synthesis of, of the performing arts and the healing arts. Two specialties, you know, for you, Michael, with your experience over the years. This uh, special dance event is called Coming Up for Air, and it's happening at the Valentine Theater, right? That's uh, Saturday evening at 7 o'clock p.m. Folks, if they're interested in tickets, they can find all that information at ToledoSymphony.com. The Toledo Symphony box office phone number is 419-246-8000. So let's start out by talking a little bit about what this piece is, Michael. It is music and dance. There are a lot of dancers involved. It's based on an an album that came out in 2015 called The Chopin Project, which is music of Frederick Chopin, but also interspersed with music by the Icelandic uh, composer and instrumentalist. I'm going to take a stab at his name here. Olivier Artnaltz. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'll go with Um, that for you. And and tell us, first of all, how you discovered this music, how it appealed to you, and how this idea of creating this dance performance on stage came to mind. Well, I, um, and and I I probably won't say his name correctly, uh, that's okay. We'll, ju- we'll just paste my pronunciation <laughs> over your keep putting over your voice, right? <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. As I've as I've put, uh, you know, for the last fifteen years, I've been doing original productions for the for the ballet, and music search is a huge part of that. And so I will just constantly be looking for different types of music. And I I, I came across Oliver's uh, music quite a few years back, and um, I just. I just loved it. It's very simplistic in its nature. It, it has a minimalist quality to it, but at the same time, it's extremely powerful. And I always find myself—I I don't know why I use this analogy when I when I hear it and, and describe it—but I feel like I'm in an, on an old wooden rocking ship, uh-huh. and it just kind of yeah. soothes me in that in that way of just being kind of rocked back and forth in in a gentle yet profound kind of way. And I'd come across this music a while ago, and interestingly, Zach uh, Vassar had had sent me said, "Have you heard of this?" And I'm very bad about remembering things for some reason. And I said, uh, "I'll check it out." And and so when I hit it, it went took me to my playlists that I had already uh, pro- programmed in. And I'm like, oh yeah, we've 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 already labbed ideas to this, but I'm you know, I, it, it's interesting though because as a show goes, I wasn't sure what to do with it because it kind of just floats in the yeah. same area a lot. It doesn't have a lot of ebb and flow. And for a show, you you, lo- you usually are looking for music that takes people on up and downs and journeys that, you know, go here and there. And I didn't really, really see that. But, um, you know, of course, I don't know if you've heard or not, but we, we had a pandemic all last <laughs> year. Yeah, I did hear about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and um, you know, when we were quarantined, it was it was it was really interesting because, as most people, we don't really have that kind of time to just be in our in our households with our families and 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 that sort of thing. So, you know, I found myself with time uh, that I don't usually have to just ponder. Ooh, what 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 you know what what could I do with this time and. Um, I have a healing arts um, background, but I also have a performing arts background, and uh, I really started to, you know, and I, I, I've been doing this a little by little over the years with the kids anyway, just because I think uh, they do lend themselves to each other quite a bit, and I think dance in itself is a healing art, uh, if, if the intention is, is put to it that way. All right, hold that thought, Michael, because I, I'm going to jump in with our little ongoing feature. This is a, a, a little bit of a quiz question. We'll come back and talk about your experience with healing arts after this. Was but I sounding too intelligent? Now <laughs> you're going to Indeed. We, we had to dumb it down a little bit with <laughs> Chopin, of course. This, this is The Minute Waltz by Frederick Chopin. Actually played in about a minute. And, um, you know, it's not one of the pieces by Chopin that are included no. in the Chopin project. But this is a quiz about Iceland because the composer Oliver is from Iceland, and so we're going to test your Iceland 101. Let me throw out a couple of questions here. Uh, what fast food company is not found in Iceland? Is it McDonald's? Is it Domino's Pizza? Or is it Subway? A, B, or C? Which one of those is not in Iceland? And the companion question is, which fast food chain is in Iceland? Is it A, the Hungarian Pastry Shop? B, the vitamin bar. I ran out of music. There we go. It must have gone past a minute. Or C, American style. A, B, or C. Hungarian pastry, vitamin bar, or American style. Which one of those is in Iceland? Okay. Now back to discussion. We're, we're at the very end of the program, we'll come back and I'll give you the answers to all these. All right? So you were talking, Michael, about coming up for air and, and how the music doesn't so much lend itself as to a linear story as it does to an experience and this experience you've created out of your own experience with the healing arts can you talk a little bit about what you do not as a choreographer not as a director but what you do to help people de-stress and relax the kind of disciplines that you have studied in your career well i um it kind of started for me. I actually dated a massage therapist when I, I worked on cruise ships when I was 19. And uh, that was kind of my intro to, to the massage world. And she would teach me little techniques. And as a dancer, you know, we're constantly having to put Scarecrow back together. So I was really yeah. fascinated with this idea that, you know, you could do these techniques to, to heal the body. And so that, that introduced me to the idea. And then in 94, I moved to Los Angeles and... I uh, I actually got there a year before the the Northridge quake, so that was my my welcome to California party, mm-hmm. and it literally shook me out of bed at 4:31 and threw me onto the ground. I mean, it was that powerful of a, of a quake, wow. and so you know, at 25, you feel pretty invincible. You feel like you can take on the world, and that nothing will ever, you know, you, and. I literally thought the building was going to crash through the ground. I thought there's no way this building can survive this. So you know, at 25, I was faced with my own mortality, and. Um, Suddenly, running around Los Angeles, handing out my headshot and resume seemed a bit superficial. Mm. Not that I was done with the performing arts, but it just didn't feel like it was everything I wanted. And so I uh, 
the massage idea came back and I went to a, a school in uh, in Santa Monica, California. And it was very California hippie, you know, it was just <laughs> carpet yeah. squares on the floor and sage in the in the corner. But uh, it taught um, it taught um, the massage through the the grounded stances of Tai Chi Chuan, and I had studied Tai Chi just a little bit in in my early twenties, and so I, I, I became very interested in that. And then skip forward a little bit, I was in North Hollywood, and I think I was on an audition or something, and I got lost. Which you know, this is before the GPS days, and uh, I, I saw this this Bakwa, which is the Yin Yang symbol with the the hexagram around it. Um, based off of the I Ching on the side of a building. And I thought, well, I'm lost and probably won't get this gig anyway, so I'm going to go check this out. So I went in, and there was a Taoist abbot that taught uh, Shaolin-styled Kung Fu and Qigong and Tai Chi Chuan, and it was an extremely intense training. And so I, I started doing that, and it turned out that he was the one that taught the massage school, their Tai Chi, so this full circle thing kind of wow. happened, which was kind of interesting. But um, I totally immersed myself in it, and I would, you know, I didn't have children at the time, and so... Uh, I, I I just really kind of trained like a Shaolin monk, you know, and I would train mm. like four or five hours a day just just uh, in Qigong and, and and these Shaolin techniques, and it you know it really just put me on this path, this this healing arts path, and and so now I teach uh, Qigong is my main. It's it's like a Tai Chi. Tai Chi is a is a Qigong, but it's a martial form of Qigong. But it's just moving the energy with the mind and the breath yeah. and. And, and simple, easy movements. I mean, I teach it to kids, but I also teach it to people in their 80s and 90s as well. So it's a nice, gentle exercise, but extremely powerful too, because it works the inside and the chi, the energy, you know. Yeah. So, so do these disciplines then, uh, are they a part of your choreography and creating this piece coming up for air? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're intertwining it. Um, I've used... You know, like we uh, in my contemporary classes, we do a thing that I call connect, which is basically the it's it's like a tai chi push hands, and so the the dancers have to connect hands to start, mm. and they can't push their own agenda, and they also can't like space out and lose connection either. So they have to really listen to each other, and it's it's a really fascinating study in the sense that um it it forces them to really have to tune in to their partner and really be there with their partner because when yeah. they lose contact they you know so it's kind of a combination of tai chi push hands and contact improvisation and that sort of thing uh and but but boy to watch them uh move around the room you know so I, I try to take these concepts and then intertwine them with dance. I've been doing that for a while, but I've never done it like this with a show. So this this show is very different than anything yeah. any of us have ever done before. So it's that's been, great. All right, second round of questions. And then I want to come back and ask you, Merlin and Vanessa, because you've been sitting there so nice and quiet. Talk a little bit about how you perhaps de-stress. I mean, de-stressing is like a keyword right now. <laughs> Here I am wasting all this music. All right, question. There's a famous school in Iceland where you can learn all about what? Is it elves? Is it fairies? Or is it Santa Claus? A, B, or C? You can go to school to learn about these characters or this character. And the next question is, what controversial habit do most Icelandic parents follow? A, they leave their infants outside to sleep in the cold. B, they don't look their child in the eye. Or C, they let their kids go off on their own as young as four years old, A, B, or C. Hey, I made it before the minute was up. <laughs> okay, doing two questions at a time here. We'll let that finish out. Ta-da. Okay, (laughs) 
So we'll have the answers at the end of the podcast. Uh, Merwin or Vanessa, which one of you wants to talk a little bit about your own experience and, and what you use? You know, this is kind of, it, we're supposed to be an educational podcast, right? So we're using Coming Up for Air, this dance project, as sort of a point of departure to talk a little bit about how we deal with stress. And especially over the past year, that's been a big part of everybody's lives. What, what do you want to tell us about, Vanessa? Um, well, I try to do yoga every day. Um, and I do an at-home yoga practice. Um, I, there's just something really warm and comforting about practicing um, practicing yoga in the comfort of my home and with the, the things that are near and dear to me. So I try to do that almost every morning. Um, but I think the biggest lesson I've learned in the last year, year and a half, has been about work-life balance and um, trying to truly leave the stressful aspects of work at work and trying to then recharge when I'm not at work. And I find that that makes me a much better worker when yeah. I am actually at work and doing the things that require my brain space. Um, you know, I used to take a lot of work home with me and I still do on occasion when when the, the you know, the deadlines call for it. But um, for me, <laughs> I try to remind my colleagues you know, no small children will die if you don't finish that report or you don't get that grant application done at, you know, such and such a time. And is that um, the case, Merwin? You have small children. It's been very helpful to remind to, to remind <laughs> myself. Oh, it's, my kids will be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, th th there are deadlines, um, and sometimes we do need to work a little bit of extra time to meet those deadlines. Um, but you know, we are in the performing arts. We are running a performing arts organization, and, and that should be something that we're all doing because we truly enjoy it and are passionate about it, yeah. um, not because, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not curing COVID as much as some, some of us on our staff wish that we, we had that answer. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, we're, we're doing something that is supposed to feed the soul. And I think we have to make sure that our souls are fed so that we can do that for others. So. Well, and absolutely, this, this dance event, you know, speaks to that process a, as well. Lots of different things coming together in a performance venue. But as I said before, it's more of an experience for the audience. Uh, Michael, you called it an hour-long meditation. Um, I want to listen to some of the music, uh, aside from Chopin, the music of Oliver Artnaut's as well to give us a little taste of what folks can expect mm. but why don't we start with that we'll listen to a little bit of the opening track and if you're on the podcast i'm afraid i'll have to truncate this but we'll just tune into this for a second here It's just, just a little. I don't know what it is about it. It, it like literally enters my cells. I, I it, it like vibrates in my body. It's well, and, and what's interesting is when you hear this music um, juxtaposed with the excerpts from Frederick Chopin's catalog, it really sheds a different light on the Chopin piece itself. You know, we don't necessarily think of this particular piece as you know. A meditation, although it does have that quality to it, 
it really sounds different when you listen to it in context of this piece. Well, and I think that's what that's what we're trying to say with this because I'm I'm actually in this show living in a grass eight by eight box upstage is almost like a subliminal literal message of what my dancers are artistically depicting downstage. But the idea of meditation, I think some people get confused that, you know, it's full lotus floating in the air. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meditation can be having a cup of tea mindfully with a friend. You know, it's, I mean, the idea of meditation and yoga and, and all these practices is that we take them off the mat you know and, right. and and you know the practice is just the practice and what we practice we become and so um it's just uh you know that this is the and this is why the simplicity of the music is is so appealing to me for this idea because it really is just like hey like she said put down the phone turn off the notifications be with the person you're with listen to them let you know yeah. you know and i and i think um this return to simplicity idea is what i really want people to get out of this you know it's like i think we're so busy trying to save the world with our facebook posts and everything right now that as we're doing this we're missing the fact that this old lady crossing the street might need our help so let's let's like focus yeah. on what's right in front of us and meditate on on life itself and just be present for each other and for each other is also the operative idea you know just right. just be there for each other because i mean if there's any time that has shown us that we need each other, I think it's been this past year. Absolutely, and I love how you weaved some of those mantras into the conversation that, that your dancers are saying in that little video, the little preview video. Mm -hmm. Little mantras like, uh, you know, share a cup of tea, breathe mindfully. My favorite one, I think, is take care of the elderly, right? Mm -hmm. So that means, I'm, I mean, my kids aren't quite full grown, but that's definitely one I'm gonna repeat to them as often <laughs> as possible. <laughs> while they're growing up. But really, these simple little phrases are echoed in the music itself. How are you echoing this in the dance? You talked a little bit about the, the movement, you know, relating to these different disciplines, and you've talked about, you know, putting yourself into the action as well. How would you characterize the actual physics of what the dancers are doing throughout the piece? Well, like, if you take the... the the tea idea, um, you know, it's just a, it's such a simple idea. When I that, that girl that I dated from Ireland, I went over and, and spent a couple weeks with her and her family, and it was they just lived in a little farm community, and it was just a really peaceful environment. But right around four o'clock, all of a sudden, all these people started showing up at her house, friends and family members and everything else. And it looked like what we would consider like a Christmas reunion or, or, or something. And I said, you know, what's what's happening? You know, and she looked at me very matter of fact. And she goes, well, it's afternoon tea, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, everybody shut down their shops and, and, and work was just put on pause for a minute. And it, I don't know. I just thought, wow, what a beautiful idea to, to not feel like we can't just take time to just get together and go, hey. How you doing? You know, no. have a that, cup of tea. That's actually really amazing because it is maybe the thing I miss most from my childhood is this chance. I was always sitting with my mother at about four o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, it was one of the things I kept thinking about in the pandemic. And then I saw a box of pound cake. <laughs> it, was, it was that. And it was 
profoundly moving because I was like, this is this is one of the this is a tangible reminder of what I was missing was the chance to sit down and have tea. Yeah. yeah. And I, those moments are just, you know, it's like it, you're talking about it because it's part of you now, yeah. you know, and I think I think going back to the phone idea, I think I think we feel like we have to like capture things and sometimes we just need to be and experience it, you know, and yeah, uh, live in the moment. some of the best moments I have in my life are not recorded. <laughs> stop stop <laughs> and know? smell the coffee or yeah. tea mm-hmm. as it may tea. be. Yeah, Something tea like was that. a tradition in my family too, being from England. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's a cup of tea always reminds me of my my grandparents. Well, I didn't have any tea growing up. I, I was a big coffee drinker <laughs> as a kid. It's time for a couple of more quiz questions. This is a good one. What is one of the most popular apps in Iceland used for? Speaking of not using your phones, we're, we're going <laughs> to nice weave this in here. Is the most popular app in Iceland used for A, finding the nearest hot dog stand? They're really big on hot dogs in Iceland, which is true. Uh, avoiding hooking up with your cousin on Tinder, also known as the anti-incest app, or... <laughs> Is it locating the secret fishing hotspots in and around the uh, country? A, B, or C? Nearest hot dog stand, avoid hooking up with your cousin, or find some fish? (laughs) A, B, or C? (laughs) Now, here's another one. Uh, What unusual museum is found in Iceland? Is it the underwater museum that you need scuba gear to view the over than 400 sculptures that are submerged? Is it the Museum of Broken Relationships? (laughs) With your Which <laughs> features <laughs> video confessionals, uh, items full of romantic memories gone sour, and in one case, an axe that a woman used to dismantle her ex's furniture when she was jilted. Now, these are all real things. You just have to tell me which one is from Iceland. Um, or is it the Phallological Museum? Can you guess what that <laughs> contains? <laughs> that It's also called the museum but we'll we'll see if we can beep that out later there, there's a collection of more than 215 of those parts <laughs> belonging to almost all the land and sea mammals that can be found in the country these are animals parts okay not human parts okay so just get that out of your mind right now so is it a b or c underwater broken relationships or phallological a, B, or C. We ran out of out of <laughs> music for that one, although I don't know that Chopin is appropriate for that last question. But uh, we'll get the answers to you at the end of the podcast. Um, you know, during the pandemic, people were really tending to focus inward anyway. But coming up for air is not just talking about submerging yourself in, in these ideas and these practices, Michael. It also relates to you know, getting some sense of release, coming up for air, feeling the re- the, the release inherent and in, in taking a deep breath of, of oxygen, you know. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Can you talk a little bit about how you view this experience as a, an emergence of sorts for the audience? Well, it's interesting because when I started this, we all felt like we were coming out of this. And so I've kind of had to switch gears a little bit with the with what this is. Um, yeah. quickly. Um, so you just go up and take a breath and then jump right back into that. jump right back in and submerge. <laughs> go right back into the but, depths. But what, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, originally the idea was, okay, now that we're out of this, how do we reconnect as a society without losing the lessons that we had gained from it? You know, and that's that was my um, my mission, I guess, if you will, was, was to kind of go, hey, 
okay, we can't do puzzles with our kids all the time, but how about let's not just completely lose that idea and every once in a while sit down and do a puzzle with your child, you know? And, and so some of the things that we, you know, got to do in this quarantine life wasn't all bad. And, mm. and so, you know, how do we keep that was, was what the idea. It's kind of morphed into really going away from this whole COVID idea and just being a guide as to whatever you're going through. If it's COVID related, if it's a divorce, if it's the loss of a loved one, if it's, you know, um, a job that's it's overwhelming or whatever, these are just simple guides that if you want to grab onto, you know, I want this to be an interactive experience with the, mm. you know, I, I've asked Tim Durham, my lighting guy, not to completely take the house to black because I want them to be part of it. I want us to be able to see each other. And so uh, usually the theater, you know, the house is very dark, you know, so that, yeah. the, you know, but I, I've asked him not to do that for this one. And we're also going to use the the scrim, I think the opera uses for translations of their, their operas that are in, in Italian and such. Um, to to just have these little messages that they can you know see right. as we're dancing and, and you know and I use dancing hesitantly because what's been fun for us with or for me with the kids is this idea of like we're going to drop our ego a little bit we're not going to have a bunch of jumps we're not going to have a bunch of turns we're going to do things that people can relate to mm. that make the stage feel like it's breathing that it's flying, that it has this movement that encourages people to expand and contract, you know? And so it's just it's just things that hopefully the audience, so it feels all inclusive as opposed to just them being voyeurs to our amazing skills that we work on all the time, you know? So that's, you yeah. know. A cathartic we'll how, experience. Yeah, a cathartic experience. A, a, a shared experience. A shared, yeah. I mean, some folks go and they hear live music and the symphony and that gives them that sense of catharsis, you know, uh, on the inside. It's a it's an inner um, experience, inner event. But what you're doing with the dance, I think, is looking at it in a little bit in a non-traditional way, but also from your standpoint as a, a teacher and educator, you know, you work with these ballet dancers, you give classes. I know you guys are in your, your fall class schedule now. There's mm -hmm. always something going on uh, at Toledo Ballet. But it seems to me that you're—it's almost like a demonstration. It's almost like a, like you say, an hour-long meditation. It's a different approach for the audience that goes above and beyond. Let's go and see them do a bunch of pirouettes. You right. know, we, so, have, we have that a couple months later at the Nutcracker. Please come watch right. them in their glory and watch them <laughs> jumping around and turning as much as you want. But get your yeah, cake with, and eat it too. Yeah, right? with this one, I really, I really want the audience to feel more a part of it as opposed to. You know, something that's, they're just watching us do our thing. Okay, this is the end of our quiz, just about. A couple of questions here. What was illegal in Iceland until 1989? Was it beer? Was it hard liquor? Or was it wine? Which of those was banned in Iceland until 1989? Also, according to the BBC, one out of ten Icelanders will do what during their lifetime? Is it A, write a book, B, brew their own spirits, or C, sample every ice cream shop in the country? A, B, or C, write a book, brew spirits, or eat ice cream? And I'll throw in this very last question. Now, nah, you know what, I'll save it for the end. <laughs> we'll have a little discussion first. Uh, Vanessa, you talked about 
how you de-stress at mm-hmm. home and have been de-stressing, especially during the pandemic. I mean, you arrived here it, when it was really taking hold, <laughs> yes. so it was a completely different experience from yes. what you know you what other people have had in coming to the shop. Um, but Merwin, I skipped over you. You know, as far as what you do and have been doing, your 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 routine for dealing with stress. I mean, aside from going to see Michael Lang's uh, productions, <laughs> you want to weigh in on that? I can give you mine first if you want. <laughs> sure, that sounds great. Okay. Um, what I do is I call it communing with nature. It basically just means going on a walk or a light jog for a couple of hours out in one of the metro parks. Uh, sometimes I go in and around, you know, the area where I live. But, yeah, it's very important to get out and, like, feel alone in the world but the natural world right and i think it somehow you know i'm not out there doing tai chi moves or whatever but i still feel a sense of breathing you know throughout that whole experience am i is that good in your view michael i think that's beautiful yeah because you are doing tai chi that's the thing is it's like you know i always say like with qigong it's just like you know if if you can do qigong when you're doing the dishes then you have something right wow. <laughs> yeah so but interesting you say that because it's part of the show actually because i have a friend that's in the show and i asked richard he, he, he basically comes and visits me in my little grass land back there um, but I asked him, he's been in other shows I've done, but I said, would you be the one who comes to visit me? Because I need everything to feel authentic and I want a friend up there. I don't want an actor playing my friend. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, authenticity. But we've we've recreated set-wise the botanical gardens on oh, okay. stage because Richard and I on Sunday mornings will go and just walk the botanical gardens, like you said, and, and talk about things. We're very like-minded people. Uh, but he had just had throat surgery recently and he couldn't speak. And I mm-hmm. said, hey, let's do this. Let's go to the botanical gardens and do our walk in silence and see if we notice different things than yeah. when we're chatting. And so we've recreated that kind of experience on stage. And Jim Hill, my set designer, has been busy building like rocks and bridges over the water <laughs> and just different things that, that are that part of great. the botanical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Merwin, you're up. It's actually been really interesting to listen to everybody kind of, you know, talk about this. Something that's always been important for me is to literally ground myself to lie down on my back and look up. And there's not, not while you're playing violin, though. Sometimes, yeah, I will actually. When you're I will actually play with, on on my back. Wow. You know, um, I feel a lot of times that's where my tension collects. And then so if I lie down, and especially if it's on grass, I can kind of try to kind of exchange that tension into the ground a little bit. So um, our poor box office staff has probably seen me out out our window <laughs> on the museum grounds, uh, doing the, lying, like during during our lunch hour, lying oh, down, looking Merwin up at the sky, upside, the upside down again. planking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's it's something that it it has felt fairly overwhelming. I think, you know, I was um, listening to Vanessa talk about work-life balance, and I think it's been very difficult for me to find those boundaries a little bit. I Mm -hmm. think when we are typically rehearsing, when we're in what many people would think of as my job, that feels so cleansing and freeing, but it's unfortunately been somewhat a smaller part of 
our job in the last little while. We've had so much to do outside of that to allow for rehearsals to happen mm -hmm. yeah. that, you know, typically, you know, I've never really thought of the need for work-life balance because work, you know, my typical work is so cleansing and it's part of my soul, but now it's been very different. So I've felt the need to look at the clouds and to kind of feel the feel the bumps in the ground in my back. Yeah, wonderful. I love that. Yay! <laughs> that is usually not the response. <laughs> <laughs> I had to break the, you know, break the mood Aww. with that. And having done that, let me bring in our last quiz question, then we'll go back and we'll, you know, we'll find out the, the hard truth. Uh, final question. What is the national sport of Iceland? Is it A, football? And I'm not saying whether I mean European or American, just football. <laughs> B, horseback riding. Or C, handball. A, B, or C. Okay, let's go back now. I have a bonus question. Mm. Yeah, what's that? What binge-worthy series did Mr. Arnold's compose the soundtrack for? Oh, gosh. Mm. And it was an Icelandic series, huh? No, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't? Mm -mm. Okay, well, we'll save that for the end. Mm. All right. That'll be the coup de gras. <laughs> okay, uh, what fast food company is not found in Iceland? The answer was A, McDonald's. Oh, Anybody yeah. get, everybody get A? No, nope, I didn't. Would you choose? Uh, whatever B was. <laughs> B was Domino's Pizza. <laughs> they have Domino's there. They have Subway there, but they don't have McDonald's. They used to have McDonald's, and then it went away, and they just never built another one. So there aren't any yeah. McDonald's in Iceland. Okay, what fast food chain is actually in Iceland? Is it the Hungarian pastry shop, the vitamin bar, or American style? The answer is C, American oh, I style. I got that one. Vanessa got that one? Mm -hmm. You guys have to mark, you know, who, do they serve what hot you dogs got, there? what you didn't get. I don't know. I think they do, American <laughs> style. Mostly burgers mm -hmm. and, and dogs. Hungarian pastry shop, of course, is in New York. Um, vitamin bar. I mean, there has to be some vitamin bars somewhere. <laughs> um, aside from the candy bar type deal. <laughs> okay. There's a famous school in Iceland where you can learn all about what? According to the study, of the, according to a study from the University of Iceland in 2007, over 62% of Icelanders believe that this character or characters might be real. Is it elves, A, or B, fairies, or C, Santa? The answer is elves. Oh, <laughs> is the Elf Fairies. School, which you can actually visit online, theelfschool.com. <laughs> they charge $64 to take their classes learning all about elves hmm. and the history of elves in Iceland. Will Farrell graduated from there. <laughs> exactly. Okay, what controversial habit do most Icelandic parents follow? Is it A, they leave their infants outside to sleep in the cold? B, they don't look their children in the eye? Or C, they let their kids go up on their own as early as four years old. A, B, or C. The answer is A. They not only let their, their infants sleep outside, they park them outside in their stroller before they go into a store or a mm. shop. So the pictures of, like, baby strollers all lined up in front of the store. Mm. And the point is, is that Iceland is, like, one of the safest places in the world, so people feel comfortable doing that. They don't, like chain them to a telephone pole like you do with your dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I don't do crossed. that with my dog. I, <laughs> I, I don't have a I, dog. I so. part too loud if I do yeah. that. Um, 
Okay, so let's see. Where was the next one here? All right, got it. What is one of the most popular apps in Iceland used for? Okay, now we're getting into the good stuff. Is it A, finding the nearest hot dog stand? Is it B, avoiding hooking up with your cousin on Tinder? Or is it C, locating secret fishing hotspots? The answer is B, avoiding hooking what? up with your cousin. Because <laughs> it is, you know, it's a fairly small island. They have, there's a lot of familial relationships there that you may not be privy to. So there's the database that evidently this app goes through and references to find out if you're related to your prospective beau. Right? I feel yeah. like Zach would drop a Canadian joke in right about now. <laughs> totally. I'll add the rim shot and we can add the joke later. Okay. So the next one. What unusual museum is found in Iceland? Is it A, the underwater museum? Is it B, the museum of broken relationships? I, am, I feel like that one needs a little. <laughs> the field of broken, the museum of broken relationships. Or is it C, the Phallological Museum, also known as the P Museum? I, I want it to be the Scuba Museum. Yeah, but me too. I that's, don't what think I, that's what it is. That is actually in Cancun, Mexico. It's a real thing. Hmm. But that's not it. The answer is C, the Phallological Museum. That actually exists in Iceland. Okay. So far, I've got McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was illegal in Iceland until 1989? Was it beer, A, or B, hard liquor, or C, wine? The answer is beer. Huh. Beer was illegal. Uh, about a century ago, Iceland banned all of the alcoholic drinks, but within a decade, red wine had been legalized again. Then in the 1930s, they legalized spirits again, but they kept beer off limits until March of 1989. Apparently, there was some sort of political connotation to beer and Icelandic history and it was huh. viewed unfavorably until enough time had passed. So the point is you can now get a beer in Iceland. All right. According to the BBC, one out of 10 Icelanders will do what during their lifetime? Is it A, write a book? Is it B, brew their own spirits? Or C, sample every ice cream shop in the country? In fact, they have a, wor a standalone word, which means an ice cream road trip. It's called Isbiltur where basically you go on a road trip and eat ice cream. But that's not the answer. It's oh, not good. C. Yeah. The answer is A, write a book. <laughs> I switched it at the last minute. <laughs> they say one out of ten Icelanders will write a book. Now, they, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge tome or a novel. It could be <laughs> a simple little thin book. But, uh, yeah, one out of ten will write a book. They're very big on reading there. It, like the public benches in Iceland even have barcodes that you can swipe with your phone and then you can listen to a story. The barcode takes you to a selection of stories that you can mm. listen to while that's you so sit nice. on the bench. That's that's a different, you know, meditative use of the phone. My, Michael is looking at me with a skeptical look in his eyes. I think right? I was just spacing out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. So that was A. The final one, what is the national sport of Iceland? Is it football, horseback riding, or handball? And the answer is C, handball. Yay. And then now to Vanessa's question. Let, let's get your uh, question in here, Vanessa. Okay. Let me let me pull up a little fanfare for your question. I'm gonna slightly revise the way I ask it. Because of the fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For which binge-worthy series? 
Did Oliver Arnold's compose a portion of the soundtrack? How about that? Okay. Has anybody got an answer to that? It, you have to give us multiple choice. Oh, okay. Is it um, is it A? <laughs> Wait, what's that? Breaking oh. Bad. <laughs> no. What's um, <laughs> the one with the? Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Quizzes are hard. Man. Quizzes are hard. Uh, How about I just tell you the answer? That's not good. as easy as you think. <laughs> it's yes. not. It's Broadchurch. Oh, oh Broadchurch. Yeah. yeah, that's a great series. It is a great series. I had no idea. That so that gives her a point. Ole für Arnolds. Ole für Compose music for Broadchurch. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll save that for the next time that we okay. do a show about Olafir Artnauts, okay? Okay. Um, so, how'd you guys do? This is, really, this is like really, a, the, really the honest... Bad. I got three. I got yeah. four. The honor system. I got McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. There's some irony in there somewhere. No. <laughs> but wait, Vanessa, are you including the uh, extra credit quiz no, question? No, no, no. Okay. I got three real answers. So you got three. Merwin, you got four. Yeah. Merwin wins again. Again. Wow. <laughs> Uninspired guesses about Iceland is the title of this particular <laughs> episode. To, right? I'm gonna have to start lying on my back and looking at the clouds more often. Well, the concert, the program, I should say, or the uh, the meditation, the experience itself, it's called "Coming Up for Air." Uh, there's just one performance, right? Yes. Correct. Uh, is this going to be on the streaming platform it as well? It is not going it to be not. on okay. streaming. So this is their chance to see it, is to go there. That's right. Sit in the audience and enjoy the experience. Mm -hmm. Coming up for air. It's happening Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, at the Valentine Theater. Uh, tickets are at ToledoSymphony.com or the box office number is 419-246-8000. A wonderful production from Toledo Ballet. I feel like we don't talk about Toledo Ballet enough because you guys are, are doing so much and you're so busy and you're doing a lot of classes right now. Uh, now you have this production, you have Nutcracker coming up, uh, which will be here before you know it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about that as well there, as there we was have done. Snow in the past. Vote Studio last mm -hmm. night actually. So oh, yeah. yes, they're already. <coughs> Wow, wonderful. Oh, well, we look forward to all of that. Um, I encourage folks to to go to the website Toledo Ballet. Dot com, right? I th yeah, and I, I, I <laughs> yes. think... Uh, you think that's it? That's good. I think good. that's it. No, I, I, I think something else people might not know is that we actually offer a lot of healing arts at the mm -hmm. ballet oh, okay. as well. We, I have a whole wellness studio with Pilates and Qigong and, and all kinds of different things and classes, Pilates mat classes and just yeah. all kinds of stuff. And, and registration uh, is still open, so folks can still register. Um, kids, uh, teenagers, adults can all still register for classes. That's great, at ToledoBallet.com. That's correct. Right? Yes. Okay. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barbara Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at WGTE.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Merwin Sue, Vanessa Gardner, and Michael Lang 
I'm Brad Cresswell. This has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.